0: Good morning, everyone. Today I want to speak on receiving God's blessing through trials. Before we get to that, just a little note about how we are to understand difficult passages from the Bible. So in our first reading from Genesis chapter 22, this is one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament where God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac and obviously, it's it can be difficult to understand what's going on here. And when it comes to passages like this, we can sort of fall into this attitude of suspicion and just look at it and sort of put this passage to the test and just say, well, this is advocating child sacrifice and that's crazy, so I'm just not gonna pay any attention to it. And you can have this approach to lots of different passages in scripture. For example, you might have Heard some commentators speaking about uh, the story of Moses. When the people of Israel go across the Red Sea, they would say, well, it wasn't really miraculous. There was sort of a tide shift that happened and it made a shallow part of the water and and that's where the people walked over. Or uh, another story is the one of David and Goliath. I've heard some commentators speak about how they think that Goliath was of this race of giants that had sight problems so he couldn't really see. And so it really wasn't that impressive that David defeated him in battle and, and, and so on. You, you kind of get the idea. There can be this attitude of suspicion rather than an attitude of humility and openness. Because in any passage from scripture, God is trying to teach us something. Sometimes it can be hard to get past some of the context or the, the, uh, some of the attitudes of the day that can seem strange to us now. But there's always a profound message in these passages. So I would just encourage all of us to have that openness and humility to say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me in this passage? So what is the Lord saying in Genesis chapter 22? First of all, in the very beginning of this chapter, verse 1, it says, God put Abraham to the test. Raise your hand if you've ever felt like God is putting you to the test, right? This happens to all of us. This is part of being a serious disciple of Jesus, a Christian. And that's not to say that God is trying to trip us up or kind of rub in our face how weak and sinful we are. Rather, God allows for trials and difficulties because he knows these are the very things that provide the best opportunity for us to grow in our faith. And that's what God is doing here with Abraham. He's not trying to trick him or lead him astray. He's giving him an opportunity to go very deep in his faith. And what do we see in Abraham? He responds immediately in faith and in trust. We sort of have the abbreviated version in our reading today, but if you read through the whole chapter in Genesis 22, it says right after after the Lord speaks to him and gives him these instructions. It says, the very next day, he rose up, he took his son Isaac and two servants, and they went off to the land of Moriah. So he didn't hesitate, he didn't wait. Immediately, he follows the Lord's command. And what makes this even more remarkable is if you understand the context. God had given Abraham a promise that he would have uh, many generations after him to come, that God would bless him abundantly with many offspring. The problem was Abraham and his wife Sarah were barren and they were old, they had no children. So they're probably thinking throughout all of those years and decades, Lord, any day now we're ready for that promise to be fulfilled. And finally, they come to the end of their life. They're both elderly. And I'm sure there must have been times when they struggled with doubts and, and wondered how God was going to fulfill that promise. And then some angels show up and they speak to Abraham and tell him that Sarah is going to conceive and bear a son. And Sarah was just sort of hiding around the corner of the tent. She's listening and she laughs at them because she's like, This is crazy. I'm an old woman. He's an old man. How are we going to have a son? But God fulfilled that promise. And Sarah conceived and bore a son. And that son was Isaac. So finally, after decades of waiting for God to fulfill this promise, it seemed like finally there was going to be a way for that promise to be fulfilled through their son Isaac. And then this happens. God asks Abraham to sacrifice his only son, his beloved, that, that sign of the fulfillment of God's promises. And despite all of that, Abraham responds immediately in faith and in trust. And what do we see next? Abraham perseveres through the time of doubt and fear that he, that he must have experienced between the time of God's command and the time of the actual carrying out of this. So, again, if you read through the full chapter, it says that they traveled three full days before they arrived at Mount Moriah. So, imagine that those days, those hours of contemplating what was to come, of how this was going to play out, of what God was going to do, how difficult that must have been. But Abraham persevered through it all. And what do we see in the end? that God comes through. He immediately sends the angel, the messenger, who holds back the hand of Abraham and says, do not lay a finger on the boy. So God comes through in the end when we persevere through these times of trial and fear and doubt. And, And beyond all that, God gives abundant blessing in the end. Right after The angel is sent to stop Abraham from carrying out this this command. The angel says, on behalf of the Lord, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies. And in your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. So that is the message of Genesis 22, that when God puts us to the test, he invites us to respond in faith and trust, to persevere through the time of doubt and fear. And if we do, that God absolutely will come through in the end. And that when we stay close to him, he blesses us abundantly. And the problem with this whole process is the evil one at every stage is trying to mess things up. He's trying to lead us astray. So in the beginning of that, when we experience that being put to the test, the devil is right there sowing his seeds of doubt. He says things like, well, God couldn't do this to you. This can't be a good God if you would allow this to happen in your life. And then in that moment when The Lord is inviting us to respond in faith and trust. The evil one is trying to pull us away from that and just turn to our own means, our own ends. And most of all, I think the most perilous part of this whole process is that time of persevering, that three-day walk to Mount Moriah when you're contemplating all of these things and second-guessing yourself and wondering how this is going to work out, that is where the devil absolutely ramps up all of the spiritual warfare trying to lead us to give up, to turn away. And even in the end, when God comes through and we receive his blessing, the evil one is right there again trying to say, well, you know, it wasn't really God. It just kind of happened this way. And this would have happened even without God's presence or whatever. So throughout the process, the evil one seeks desperately to turn us away because he knows of the great good that God can bring through this. And Lent is a time for us to enter into this process of conversion. Lent, you could say, is a time of testing, right? We're in this time of prayer and fasting and almsgiving. We're now on the second Sunday of Lent. Maybe some of us have already begun to struggle with some of, our, some of our penances, you know, giving, giving in to those temptations to have that extra piece of bacon or the, the coffee or whatever it may be. But there's still time to get back on track. You can still uh, go, go back to these initial commitments that we've made. And the Lord gives us this season every single year because of the great grace that can come from this. When we enter into this time of, of trial and testing, trusting and persevering in God's grace He blesses us abundantly. And the greatest proof of this, of all, is the very life of Jesus himself. Jesus was absolutely put to the test in the most profound way of all, through his passion and death on the cross. And we know this was difficult for him because in the garden of of Gethsemane, during his agony in the garden, he cried out to his father and said, Lord, please let this, this chalice pass from me. And he was sweating blood because it was such an intense time as he was awaiting what was to come. But he responded with faith and trust. Immediately after making that prayer, he says, but not my will, but yours be done. And certainly he persevered through the time of trial along the way. For him, the three-day walk to Mount Moriah was that that long walk to Calvary. Jesus didn't have a quick and easy death, but it was drawn out over a full day with, with beatings and being scourged ahead of time and slowly dying of suffocation on the cross and blood loss. And through all of that, he persevered. And what happened in the end, even though it appeared that Jesus himself had been defeated and killed, he rose from the dead and he, and he brings to us the great glory of the resurrection. This tremendous blessing that God gave to him first is now extended to all of us if we receive him and follow after him in our own lives. This process of conversion if we allow it to play out in our lives, truly leads to transfiguration, in a sense. That's why the gospel today is paired with this reading from Genesis. The three apostles, Peter, James, and John, are led up to a mountain apart by themselves, and Jesus is transfigured before them. And they're given a little inkling of the glory that is to come. And God wants to do that in all of our lives. Through this process of deeper conversion, he wants all of our lives to be transformed. And some have asked, well, what does that look like, Father? What is that process of transfiguration? Well, it doesn't usually mean that you literally start glowing. I mean, you may have seen Father Matthias glowing once or twice, but that's a little unusual. Mostly, it means this tremendous peace and joy that only God can provide in our lives. It's the slowly, uh, the slow process of of taking away our patterns of sin and brokenness and, and replacing them with the love and the joy that God alone can provide. It's the taking away of the burdens of this life and replacing them with the yoke of Jesus which is gentle and easy. It's the promise of hope that all of us live in through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's not to say that all of our problems will go away, but there's this great blessing of having Jesus walk with us every step of the way. This transfiguration that truly happens over time in each of our lives if we allow God's grace to go deep in each one of us. So, when that moment of testing comes, whatever it is, whether it's a difficult situation with a child at home, something at the workplace, a big life decision that might have all kinds of serious implications, whenever that moment of testing comes, let's invite Jesus immediately into that process. He wants to walk with us every step of the way to help us to respond in faith and trust, to help us to persevere throughout the whole time so that in the end we can experience the great blessing of God, that transfiguration in all of our lives. Because if we do this, if we stay with the Lord, we'll experience God's blessing not only in this life, but ultimately and eternally in the life to come.